cool. Well, hi, hello, everybody. We are back with another, of course, episode of The Fuck You Mentality. Um, But today's guest is a little bit different from what I'm used to. And I'm really excited to kind of segue into this because I've been dying to find people who are in this line of work to talk about this on my podcast. Uh, My podcast isn't really just about you know, being a hairdresser, because that's cool, and whatever, but it's kind of, okay, it's mundane, like everyone, whatever, people are hairdressers, whatever, people have jobs, cool. But what's like the underlying reasons why you're a hairdresser? Like what's, I like to dive deep into stuff. Um, I'm a big advocate for mental health. I'm, I'm personally my own journey of dealing with trauma and, you know, childhood stuff and a lot of stuff like that. And I realized that a lot of that stuff correlates with who I am now today, obviously, but also why the hell I'm a hairdresser and why I hustle it out the way that I do and whatever. So I've been really excited to bring on someone like this because she is all things mental health and trauma and all of that. I don't want to, I don't know what words to use right now, but all of that stuff related. Um, And she was recommended to me by one of my best friends who is also working with her. Um, so it's been kind of cool to see, like, not only learn about this professional, but also to, also to learn about this professional through a different lens. So without further ado, please introduce yourself. Who the hell are you? What are we doing here today? Go ahead. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me, first of all. Love love this opportunity to speak on what I do. And I feel like it doesn't, the message doesn't get out enough. And so any chance to spread awareness, I'm all for Um, But my name is Megan Schnetzer. I'm known in the trauma-informed space. Most people just call me Meg. Um, But yeah, I actually, I haven't always been in the trauma-informed space or a trauma-informed coach, which is my official title. I am an educator by expertise, um, by experience, by training. So I actually spent most of my career teaching special education in the public school districts at you know, in a local district here. And so um, a lot of stuff having to do with special education, a lot of curriculum development, and a lot of piloting autism inclusion programs. And so a lot of people hear that and they think like, what in the world? How did you get into trauma-informed coaching? But the worlds are actually a lot more related than one would think. I came to school every single day and saw children who came from trauma, right? Like every single student of mine had experienced trauma of some sort. Um, so when the pandemic really, (laughs) when everything hit the fan with the pandemic, I left the elementary school classroom and I started working at a university, um, a local university part-time helping to create curriculum for teacher prep candidates, et cetera. And through all of this, I was kind of on my own healing journey and had been to therapy for a few years after, um, a pretty traumatic an acute trauma that happened to me back in 2018 and therapy was great, but it wasn't moving the needle as much as I'd hoped. And I found myself feeling like I was hitting a wall, just doing all of this recall of the same trauma over and over. And so I found a trauma informed coach um, and she ran her own programs. Her name is Brittany Piper and I'm now her, her colleague and it's fantastic because she's incredible. Um, But the program quite literally saved my life. Um, It took everything that I thought I knew about what I had been through in trauma and flipped it on its head. And all of a sudden I made so much sense to me, um, which was most important. You know, I had this understanding and this compassion for myself that I'd been lacking. I'd been drowning in shame for so long that I didn't see it for myself. And so that changed my life. And then I went through her programs. I was her client and and eventually she offered um, me a job with her, with the healing hub, asking if I would also be a trauma-informed coach. So I went on my journey of becoming certified in a million and one different things to come in knowing as much as I possibly could. And I, since then, have been promoted to the chair of Masters of Special Education Programs at the university I work at. And part of the reason that they were drawn to me was because of my passion for trauma-informed approaches bringing all that to the classroom, bringing that to students, to teachers, et cetera. So I do both. I do both jobs, but the world's actually, they're very interconnected. Sorry, long introduction, but. No, that was, <laughs> that was, a, wow. Um, I think what's kind of cool about doing these types of interviews is I, sometimes I know the people and sometimes I don't. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know Meg. Uh, I just know her through, you know, my best friend. 
but to, you know, not know a jack, you know, a single thing about you and to listen to this is like, wow, okay. Not that you are more relatable than I thought, but you know, like, it's always like, holy <laughs> shit, there's another person that's just like me. <laughs> she's so normal. <laughs> yeah, she's so normal. Exactly. Um, I really like that comment. You said, I made sense to me. I write down notes and stuff of all of my interviews. Yeah. I made sense to me. What like, what was like, uh, I guess, what was like an aha moment for you? Like, what moment did you like, holy shit, you know, sure. do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Um, so in our programs, we, we kind of break it up into two parts. And the first part is a lot of what we call psychoeducation. And so understanding how trauma and the brain work, how trauma works within the body and trauma responses, the way that people naturally respond to trauma. And so often um, we view a lot of our behaviors following trauma as self-destructive or self-sabotaging or toxic, when in reality, they're just self-protective. That's all they are. Our nervous system doesn't know how to self-sabotage our life. It just knows how to protect us. And so I think learning that piece about what, how my trauma, my past trauma was showing up in the present day and how I was responding to that, to those triggers, um, from the trauma makes complete sense as a human being, you know, it's literally hardwired into our systems. And I think for me, it just allowed me to have a lot more empathy and compassion and just grace for myself because I beat myself up even more so for, you know, you feel shame from the initial trauma and then there's shame that comes with the ways that you reacted to that trauma that may not have been authentic to you. Um, and you carry that and it's heavy. And so I just remember for the first time feeling like, Meg, you make sense. Like nobody, there's no right way or normal way to respond to trauma. Like you can't put that in a box. And so just really extending myself that grace and realizing, wow, like you responded the way that anybody would have. And those responses are what brought you here. You know, in the end of the day, would I choose them all over again? Not if I had a choice, but also I'm here and I'm here because I did what I did. Wow. Yeah. You are totally, it's so crazy to listen to this because I remember like early, early on, like prior, like before my journey really even started. Yeah just exactly like the guilt and like the anger and the responses that I would have. And just even like my friends, my family, their responses. And it just kind of, that's just how you were, you know, yeah. like you just respond like this, like you just do this, but you were also viewed as negative or toxic yeah. or this or that or third. And, you know, since moving, I, I like the term, um, in order to stop drowning, you have to get out of the water, you know? Yeah. Um, I moved from Delaware to California to get out of yes. the water, you know, and now I'm in a position like I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this, like the, the therapy that I've been doing and all the work that I've been doing, it, it makes sense now hearing this. It's, it's, it's a total flip of script, right? Like it's a totally different way of thinking about it. And it's that, that self-talk talking yeah. to yourself, like, Hey, like you weren't toxic, toxic. This was just a response that you had. Yeah. You what do you make of it? You know, and that's, um, Taylor has actually opened up my eyes, which is why I was so excited to talk to you about trauma, actually in investing in your body, you know, mm. actually sitting in your body. Um, I don't want to keep talking about this cause I, I could literally talk about no, your gut. So <laughs> but this kind of goes in tandem with my first question. Like, what has it been like to be a trauma informed coach? Are there days, uh, when the trauma from others becomes too much? And if so, like, how do you deal with that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, honestly, being a trauma-informed coach has been a dream for me. It was an opportunity that kind of fell in my lap and I didn't know I was looking for it. Um, but it has really, you know, I don't believe in that saying like everything happens for a reason. I think it's a super crappy thing to say to people because it's just simply not true. Um, but I do believe that oftentimes you can find purpose in the pain. And so I this really ended up being my purpose. Um, so the door was open for me. I was eternally grateful. Um, and I feel honored to be able to hold compassionate space for people. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that it ever becomes too much 
no, but I would be lying if I said that it never impacted me. Um, you know, I, I like to believe that most humans have the capacity for empathy and to feel, you know, for other people and for what, feel what others are feeling alongside them. And I really care about my clients. Um, I really care about them. And so of course, you know, hearing about the difficult things that they've encountered and their experiences in life, um, can be really, really hard. And as a coach, we always have this saying, like, we try to hold the boat for the client without getting in the boat <laughs> with the client. Um, and that's, that's been really key for me. Um, but of course, there are some days where I feel it like I'd be lying if I said that I hadn't gotten off client calls. And the second I closed my computer just cried because, because it does come from such a deep place of empathy and compassion and just caring so deeply. Um, but yeah, I, I'm careful always to say like, it's never too much because I decided to do this and I never want my clients to feel like they're too much for me to hold. You know, I committed to this and I, I absolutely can do it. It just comes with, you know, with loving them essentially. Mm -hmm. And love of course looks different for everybody. Absolutely. Um, when you said, you know, and everything happens for a reason. It just, it was just something like you kind of like fell in your lap. Like you just kind of walked into it. You found purpose and pain. Um, I had this conversation with a friend of mine about how we often run away from this one thing, you know, mm -hmm. we're always running away from it, running away from it, running away from it, because we've been told by other people, maybe that's not the smartest decision, or maybe by your parents, like you're not going to make it in life or I don't know, just stuff like that. But time and time again, you often, you know, deter from it you always end up back in that vicinity, right? Like something pulls you back to where you're close to it or you have a revelation or whatever the case would be. And all I can think about is I couldn't imagine like becoming a teacher, right? And you're like, okay, like I want to be a teacher. I really want to teach these kids and I want to help them and help them grow. And then all of a sudden you start noticing like your natural instinct inside is like, Oh my gosh, like these kids are, there's, there's things that are going on. It's trauma. Like it's these, it's these things. So it's kind of funny how you saying that I, you know, I feel like mo anybody that, that has had that type of revelation happen, they understand what I'm saying when I say yeah. this. there's there. I personally don't believe that you're put on this earth to do, to do anything, right? Like you, you aren't mm -hmm. born to do stuff. Like I, I don't really believe in that saying either. You're not just born to be a ballerina, you know, but right there are a lot of things that are in your just genetic makeup that have, that are just in there that you have to channel. You have to just, you just have to embrace yeah. it, you know? And if you Absolutely. are, it's in your, it's in your body to be, to help people with trauma and to deal with your own trauma mm -hmm. and embrace it and purpose and pain, you know, it's extremely painful. I can, I can only imagine, you know? Um, but I think it's beautiful that you said that. I really, I really like that finding purpose and pain. Thanks. Yeah. Been it. That's, uh, I love all of that. That's, that's awesome. So it, it it's kind of like, um, I guess pain, pain is pain, right? And it just really, you know, life never really gets easier. It just all depends on how you deal with it, you know? <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. You know, we, and it's, I, I like, I can't stand when people say like, oh yeah, like I wouldn't be that way if it weren't for my trauma or my trauma made me who I am today. And I'm like, no sis, yeah. <laughs> you deciding to heal and grow made you who you are today. Yeah. You could have done without the trauma. Trust me, we could all do without the trauma. I'll do without that. <laughs> like, I don't think any of us would choose that. Um, mm. But deciding to work through it in whatever ways you have, not just get over it, we don't get over it, but deciding to move through it and work through it the way that you have, that's what made you who you are today. I think we don't give ourselves enough credit oftentimes. Oh, 1,085%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um now I do want to touch base on this. So what is what is what does that mean to be a trauma informed coach? What does that mean? So that's a really great question. We we differ from traditional like talk therapists in quite a few different ways. Um we are in, you know, we're still in the the mental health field and we're in that profession, but we have a very different focus. So Bear with me here. It's a little psychoeducational, but <laughs> cognitive-based therapy or talk therapy is what we call a top-down modality. So it is very much, um, you know, it's recall 
and it's trying to change your thoughts in hopes that those thoughts will eventually change your actions. And this is not me, by the way, dissing like therapy on a podcast. Therapy is great. I just feel like it's only one slice of the pie. Um, You need therapy and you need, you know, X, Y, Z. So what we, what has been found in people that sometimes only do therapy is that we've learned that recall does not equal recovery. You don't have to remember everything to recover. Um, and trauma-informed coaching is we, we do both modalities, but we do a lot of what we call a bottom up modality. So we used to believe that all of the messaging in our bodies was being sent from our brain to our body. Last few decades of research has actually shown that 80% of messaging is sent from our body to our brain. And when we experience something traumatic, the hippocampus in our brain, the part of our brain that's responsible for storing memory goes offline. As a result, our traumatic memories aren't stored there. They're stored as what we call implicit memories in our bodies. So that's in somatics, it's in senses, it's in muscle memory. It is truly every single cell of your body is where it is stored. So we have to process trauma in the body because that's where the trauma is stored. So we do a lot of, we start here, we start in the body because if you are constantly in therapy and you're constantly recalling, a lot of times that's activating and that's re-triggering us all over again. So what happens is the amygdala turns on, which is the part of your brain that's responsible for fight, flight, or freeze, all of your trauma responses, your survival responses. And because your amygdala is on, our prefrontal cortex turns off because they can't, they can't have two operating systems on at the same time. Our prefrontal cortex is where all of our logic and thought and reason and rationale come from. Mm. So when your amygdala is on and you're not, your prefrontal cortex is off, you're not thinking, what happens is we're in these sessions when counseling and we're, we're like reactivated and our survival responses are kicking in and it can exacerbate all of our symptoms. I mean, I used to go to therapy and walk across the street to the bar and drink because it was too much. It was just, I felt like I wasn't being given anything that was practical, no strategies, no regulating resources to actually do throughout the week to help me regulate myself. And so we do a lot of, of nervous system regulation work and nervous system mapping. We actually give you tools that are customizable to you to use. We do core wound work to get to the original wounds to figure out why it is that you respond the way you respond. Um, we do attachment work. Um, we do inner child and parts work because so many of us have so many different parts and we do integrative work where we take all of that. We don't just stop at, you know, the, the things that we talk about. It's how can I take what I've learned and move forward successfully day to day to where I'm not surviving anymore. I'm thriving. We do a lot of work in just yeah. <laughs> a short amount of time. Um, is this now, again, I am not informed of this, so I might be very ignorant to this. Is this this like, is this like a different, I guess, approach to EMDR? EM, is it EN or EMDR? Yeah. You're right. EMDR. (laughs) It's like, am I saying that wrong? Um, so EMDR kind of falls into, it's kind of an interesting mix, um, between the two. EMDR is definitely more somatic, meaning in the body than your traditional, you know, counselor or sit on my couch and talk to me. Um, but it doesn't, what it doesn't have is it doesn't again, give you those practical tools because you're just going in for a session and then that's it. And then it's like, what do I do when I'm on my own in between? And it doesn't go over like any of the nervous system regulation or like the psychoeducation type stuff that we do. Um, so it's, Yeah, it's, and again, not that EMDR and therapy are not important because they absolutely are. It's just, we found recently that we've just been kind of working this all wrong and saying that like, it's therapy and that's it. Like Mm -hmm. that's the end all be all, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Many of us have, when we experience trauma, we actually have parts of our body that get frozen in time. We say it's like an internal straitjacket that's frozen in time. And so in order to address and process those things, it has to come through the body and somatics and emotion 
allowing yourself to feel what you need to feel um, in order to to work through it. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, wow, every time you talk. It's like, okay. <laughs> wow. This is, this is, this is amazing. You know, um, I'm listening to this and I, it like, I had my aha moment, you know, yeah. I, I started with therapy and I loved it and it was, it was good, but I felt like they're just, I was just talking. Like it wasn't yeah. like, a, like, okay, I can talk to anybody, you know? Yeah. And I stopped, you know, and then, you know, a couple of years go by, I found another therapist and she started with the EMDR and I, I was like, Oh, okay. This mm-hmm. is a little bit more, you know? And then my recent therapist, um, I, she specializes in trauma and, and stuff like that, but she's a therapist, you know, and she would just do it virtually, but I didn't realize that she was giving me these little tips, tricks, some, I guess, somatics, maybe. Mm-hmm. There's like little things I can do with my hand. There's like a bunch of different stuff. Um, I'm listening to this. I'm like, this, this makes sense. Cause I yeah. told her when I moved here and I started working with her, I was like, it feels like Pandora's box opened. Yep. Yeah. It's and crazy. I did not ask for the key. I didn't know. <laughs> key. I can't shut the box. I'm yeah. like, I love the key go. You know? Give it back. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh. I, I, I remember to like initially started talking to her and at first I was kind of like, eh, and then we started really working on mm-hmm. stuff and I was like, whoa, 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 where are all these emotions coming from? Like yeah. these, these, it, it's not even memories. It's just emotions. Yeah. like these, like, it's almost felt like throw up. Like it just, yeah. like, throw yep. Up, you know? yep. and it was, Absolutely. it was so enlightening and I didn't, I didn't realize, and I don't, I mean, you get it. I didn't realize I had trauma because <laughs> I didn't think it was that big of a deal, you know, <laughs> but that sounds familiar. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's that's so amazing though that you're able to do that for people though cuz I I mean you know you went through your own journey and Taylor's going through her journey I'm going through Yeah. Mine. Yeah. It's hard to explain to people how actually truly enlightening it is to actually heal and not it, just talk. It is. And it's you know I think as humans it's so it's the norm to instead of allowing ourselves to feel we distract we avoid, we minimize, we trauma compare, like, oh, well, at least I don't have it as bad as she does. You know, like we do all of these things and we'll literally practically fall over ourselves to not cry, not be angry, not, you know, express sadness or the things that we need to in order to move through it. And that's like, that's a whole other story. You know, that's something else that I'm trying to bring awareness to. It's like, man, we really went wrong as a society somewhere with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm starting small and I try and start with my own kids. And obviously I am not perfect. Um, I have three of them and they're not going to be perfect either because I'm, you know, but I feel like knowing all of this has given me kind of a leg up in the department of like, no, but I want you to be people who move through your life, able to process things and to communicate how you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just think so many of us, you know, not, not ill-intentioned by, you know, other generations necessarily, but it's what they were told and it's what their parents were told. And it's just what, what we were taught. It just is. Yeah. It just is what it is. So that's what we're, that's what we're left dealing with. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think the high heavens universe and all that people that do what you do, uh, because yeah, there is such a generation now that is just broken and hurt and deflecting and bullying and all this negativity yeah. and it never and even just with being on social media like being a social yeah. life, you know on social media i i've learned to take these comments or these these really nasty things and just think okay where did that come from because that yeah. doesn't come from a place of actually trying to be mean yep yep it's a response in it you know and of course like naturally me is like hey do we not have a conversation? Are you okay? right? You know, like, this like, is oh, about you, not yeah, me. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, I hate you. You know, you're stupid. And I'm like, are you all right? Do you not? Yeah. Do you need someone to talk? You know, because it now that I'm on the other side of the spectrum, I just I look at every single thing now as like, okay, well, I wonder where this is coming from because I know that this is just isn't in their yeah. in that normal character. You know? Yeah. And so many people are looking. They're they're looking for help and support and people, safe people and safe spaces to do that with and in, um, which is why, yeah, like 
<laughs> every chance I get, like all my clients are like, why isn't this in schools? Why isn't this? And I'm like, it's a great question. So I'm just going to keep talking about the healing hub and what we do there until <laughs> word gets out. <laughs> until one day it's in the public school system, but I digress. Absolutely. <laughs> I digress. Um, what would you say are the highest highs and the lowest lows uh, as a as your okay of your career as a trauma informed coach? The highest highs and the lowest lows. I think there are more highs than lows, so I'll start with lows. I feel like the biggest low um, is probably just getting a front row seat to how much hurt is in the world. Um, you know, when you start meeting with clients and you just, you keep hearing the same thing over and over, like it's kind of hard to fathom that that much pain and hurt and trauma and everything exists. And if you, if you let it, you know, if you stew on it long enough, you can really let it get you down. Um, because especially as somebody who's one of my trauma responses was to fix, I also just want to like jump in and fix everything for everyone. And sometimes it can be hard to be like, you are there to support. You're there to be a safe space. You're there to be an empathetic witness. You're not there to do the work for the person. You know, they have to do that. Um, but I think the flip side to that low is that there are so many people who are trying to heal, you know, like there's so much hurt yet. So many people seek us out. Like we have over 700 people on a wait list right now for our programs. Like, Oh my gosh, I know it's, it's mind blowing. And, but it feels good that people are like, I recognize this in me and I need to do better for me and for my family. Like a lot of these people are generational you know, cycle breakers. Um, and so I think helping people just on the most important journey of their lives is it's humbling. Um, watching that aha moment in them that I had that like, Oh my God, I make sense and I'm not broken, you know? Um, and just even like the little texts, like how much their lives have improved after, like I'll get texts from client randomly, like you know, I could just hug you. Like my life just feels like it's moving in the right direction. Or I finally feel like I'm not just living day to day surviving for the first time ever, or, you know, you're, you're my safe space or you're like, it's everything to be that to someone. And selfishly, honestly, I think the purpose that it's given me, um, and my own healing, you know, I, we always think that we're healed. Like it's some destination, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not. And I think every time we think we make progress, we uncover another layer to our trauma that hasn't been processed yet. And I'm human, you know, I do the same thing. I go through cycles where I'm like, Oh, thought I dealt with that. And something comes up and, but it, there's a lot of purpose in doing that alongside, you know, helping others do the same. Would you say that your, like your career has helped you a lot with just your own personal endeavors like do you, do you yeah have moments where you're you're helping someone and you're just thinking in the back of your brain like oh okay like this is what this means for me yeah oh absolutely and I think that there's a sense of community um that comes along with it too because you know certain traumas can be so isolating to begin with and make you feel so alone and then when you don't feel like you're in an environment that is welcoming and safe enough to, you know, share what you're going through or what you've gone through. Or like you said, you know, you do the trauma response thing and everyone around you is like, Oh, what's wrong with her? Like, you know, she went off the deep end, like type thing. And it just feels really lonely. Um, and healing can too, when you start. But I think sometimes when I'm talking to my clients and they're like, you know, they say something and I'm, you know, I try not to like, obviously spew my own trauma all over my clients, but I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, I get you, like, I completely get you because I was there and I thought that, and I did that. And I, you know, sometimes still struggle with that. And so, yeah, it has definitely been helpful for me. I think that's something that anyone who's listening to this right now, healing is lonely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's really lonely. And it, 
and it looks different for everybody. It's not linear. It's not this one direction. You're going to go forward. You're going to go backward. But I think uh, something that I did not know until I went through it is healing is in fact, extremely lonely. Yeah. Um, but through pain comes power. That's just what I've told myself. Um, going through this pain is going to give me the power to keep going and to, to continue to spread my message and to, you know, be the stylist that I want to be and, you know, be the person that it would create this brand, you know, yeah. to, to shed light on this kind of stuff. And, um, I, I preach this to my team because I'm, I'm all about not being just a hair, hairstylist, right? Like yeah. you want to be, you want to be, there's just a lot more to life than just being one thing, you know? Yeah. Oh Yeah. Um, but vulnerability requires connection and connection re requires vulnerability. Sure it does. Um, and I'm quickly learning that vulnerability does not come easy for a lot of people. Nope. <laughs> Myself included. <laughs> yeah. But isn't, but isn't it funny though, that for some people like personally, like myself, I'm very easily vulnerable with people just, I don't mm. know. I don't, that part, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> know why I'm like that you know I'm still kind of figuring out like why the hell am I so cool with just being open to everybody and anybody you know yeah yeah um and why some aren't you know but teaching that to people because people ask like how do I get to where I am you know it's like be vulnerable and they're like uh-uh yeah no yeah has there it's been scary. moments like that with you you're where you're like how are you like this you know like how I feel like I've, I've skipped loops, but there's other loops that I haven't even attempted that you maybe have attempted. And I'm like, how'd you do that? You know, like, isn't that funny how all of that work looks like that? Oh yeah. No, it, it, it's completely different. And it's, you know, nobody, <laughs> there are some things that, you know, I'll learn on my healing journey that you might never learn on yours and vice versa. And it's, you know, vulnerability for a lot of people was equivalent to weakness. And so I know for me, like that was you. I was always known as the strong girl. Like I'm still known. And then as I, yeah, yeah, like you're strong, you're independent, you can handle it. Yeah. And like, I took it and wore it like a badge of honor because yep. that's what I was told my whole life. I'm like, Oh, this is me. Like, you know, Meg can handle it. Yeah. And that that's all I knew. And so as an adult, <laughs> you know, you start to get into situations where that really comes back and starts biting you in the butt because people I'm like, Oh, well, people said I've been strong for so long. And then I realized that I didn't really know what strong meant to me. Um, now I see strength as vulnerability, which is quite ironic, but, um, yeah, it's, it has forced me out of my shell. I will say that because I am somebody who I'm super extroverted. My husband always jokes that like, you're somebody who walks into a room with hundred people and leaves with 99 friends and while that's true outwardly, there are many people who would consider me super close to them that I, I still keep people at arm's length. Like they're like, Oh, Meg and I are friends and we might be friends, mm -hmm. but I don't let many people in. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I started sharing about my own trauma, um, it was difficult because to do that, let alone on like social media platforms, because that's where hundred percent of our clients come from. Um, that's how people know we exist. It was really daunting. And what I found was I was met with a lot of, you know, me too, or you made me feel like I was seen or I wasn't alone, or I was drawn to you because everything you said is something that I thought or I felt. And I realized, you know, this, my whole life, I've been like demonizing being vulnerable and making it this scary thing when in actuality, like we just all need to be more of it. I think, I think we wouldn't feel so alone in the day to day. Yeah. We wouldn't crave this healing journey so much if we uh, just kind of opened up a little, yeah. just a little, just a little. Um, I know I'm kind of jumping around with questions, but you say stuff and then I'm like, Oh, I have another question. Oh, you're good. You're good. Um, I'm, I meant to ask this earlier, but I kind of wanted to like get deeper into the conversation before I asked this. So of course, like you wrote, you refer to your trauma, you refer to yourself, you refer to your journey. Was there a specific defining moment where you were like, something has to change? You know, this, this thing that happened to you, was it like a, like a moment or was it like a collection of things? You know, where, what, what did that look like for you? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I, so 
I was sexually assaulted in 2018 um, by somebody that had been a childhood friend, like 15 years, met him in church, sang with him on praise team. So like, there's also a religious trauma that goes along with that. Yeah. Um, And so I think growing up, so I grew up with a state trooper for a father, um, which comes with its own set of things as well. But, you know, that was part of the whole, like, be strong and blah, blah, blah. Like I, I was taught to not trust people at all. Um, Never be oblivious you know, nobody's really out for your better good, like always be on guard. And so I've always been a very mistrustful person (laughs) to begin with. And, you know, my dad taught me all of the things, how to defend yourself, how to do. And so when this happened to me, it was very much, um, you know, how come I wasn't able to do that for myself? Um, It wasn't something that I, you know, predicted what happened. Like, I think a lot of people think, oh, it might happen in college or it might happen. I was a 27 year old woman who was married with a child at the time. Um, and it was somebody that I trusted and felt safe with and had never given me a reason to doubt him or think otherwise. And so there was a lot of self-blame, um, in me thinking like, how did I not see this? How come I couldn't have prevented it from happening the way that I was taught? And so my a lot of the trauma responses I had were very to the extreme. Um, Like I started drinking, but it was binge drinking, Um, you know, to the point of oblivion, to the point where anybody who's ever experienced anything with alcohol knows that when you start doing it, you know, into copious amounts that comes with plenty of other mistakes and (laughs) things that happen that shouldn't happen. And so I found myself kind of caught up in this cycle of, I was numb. First of all, I felt no shame, no regret, no remorse, no sadness, nothing for the longest time. Um, but what happened was I was relying on binge drinking and then I got pregnant. Um, so that very quickly, you know, I already had a child and I wasn't willing to, you know, drink through (laughs) my entire pregnancy. And I, was forced, quite frankly, um, before I was ready to give up the thing that was currently making me feel like I was in control. And so I was also kind of like forced into therapy too early Forced everything was very much on like other people's terms. Like it was like, Oh, that happened to you. You need to get into therapy now. Mm -hmm. And I, I wasn't ready, um, for any of that. And so, and like I told you earlier, I'd leave therapy. I'd go to the bar. Like it was just how I coped. And so when I became pregnant, um, then I started relying on other things, you know, if it wasn't going to be alcohol, it was going to be something else. And that cycle continued for a while. Um, and I think, I think what really did it was, you know, therapy stopped kind of working and I was scared to commit to trauma-informed coaching. I really was. I was afraid of what would come up. I was afraid of the emotions. I was afraid of having to process what had happened to me because it was so ugly. And it truly, like, I think it was there that I was like, you know, not only does my husband deserve better, do my girls deserve better, but like, I deserve better. Like, this is not fair to me that somebody else's, you know, something atrocious that somebody else did who is a human being with his own trauma, I understand, you know, has this effect on me. Like I can't let it cloud my life forever. And so all of the emotions started coming online, but that was hard because then it was like this, I was finally feeling regret, shame, sadness, anger, hurt, like all of the things from the trauma and trauma responses at one time. Um, And I'm just really glad that I had a coach because I did feel like I could go through it with someone. Um, cause sometimes it's hard with family, you know, you love your family. They support as much as they can, but nobody really knows how to support in a situation like that. Um, so it, it's just was nice to have somebody that I felt like I could process all of that with. Um, but yeah, long answer to your question. Yeah. I think, I think it was a combination of things and a few moments where I looked at my life and went, how the hell did I end up here? Like, 
you know, this isn't me. Like I would have looked at somebody in this position and would have judged them prior to this. And now I, it's me, I'm the girl I'm sitting here. So, um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. I know that requires a lot of, a lot of vulnerability. <laughs> it does. A lot of strength. Um, and to take the thing that I, I took away from all of that. And I sympathize with this. Uh, you did all the right things, but it didn't work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, yeah. Followed, you followed the pattern. You yep. you did everything the way that you were told yep. and it, it didn't work Yeah, until, you know, you have to break the cycle of whatever's not working, but how do you know it's not working? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I sympathize. I, like that, obviously not, we're not going to, we're not going to compare, um, <laughs> but I, I sympathize in the the fact of just having a moment where it just kind of shit hits the fan. And then the one yeah. day you become the person that you always kind of shit talked. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, pfft, I would never do that. Or pfft, no. Yeah. How do you end up in that situation? How'd you end up there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh hey. Okay. Yeah. You got a seat? Scoot yeah. over. I'll sit next to you. Oh, if we only knew people's stories before jumping to judgments like that, for sure. Now, if there's anything that I've learned through my journey and everything else is to not judge and to not pass judgment and to never, it's easy, to, it's easy especially with social media. And that was another thing that I wanted to, to touch base mm-hmm. with is, um, A, I'm sure sharing your story on social media, if you have, I'm not, I, I don't mm-hmm. know um is fucking that's hard yeah fuck just to say that like just i'm gonna say it because like i i don't want to say it because i'm probably gonna get emotional if i say what you just said you know um on behalf of you you know but just knowing all of that stuff and just knowing how strong you were and just knowing that you you beat you beat the demon like you fight you you're Mm -hmm. fighting the battle um how has that helped with you at social media like what what i shouldn't say helped what has social media done with you with that situation? Like in being vulnerability in that, like, I know you said like it felt good, like me too, you know, that movement and all that stuff, but you particularly, like, how did that propel you? Yeah. I think, I think it was even just the act of it was very healing and therapeutic for me. Um, I love to write anyway. Like I am a total like journaler, writer, you know, you name hey, it. Yeah. Love, yeah. love to write. And so I actually started by sharing, I had written a blog two, two years post assault. And I kept telling myself that every year in April during sexual assault awareness month, I was going to share it. And like April would come and go every single year. And I'd be like, Oh, maybe next year, you know, maybe because I think you build it up in your head. Like you feel like people see you a certain way. Right. And you don't want to do anything to like change the way people see you. I say that now because now I like could care less. Right. I'm like, you can think what you want of me. Fuck you mentality. Exactly. Fuck you. I'm doing me. I am who I am. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I used to care. I don't anymore, but I used to care. And so the, that was the very first thing that I shared, um, was, was the blog post and it was very, you know, it was, real it was raw it was you definitely got what was happening from you know from what I wrote and I then subsequently shared three letters that I had written when I was in the coaching program one to my heart one to my body and one to my mind um and they were very well received like just as in again just the making people feel like I'm not crazy I'm not alone you know, I had no idea that this happened to you. And it's like, yeah, there are so many people that walk around with these, you know, this baggage that they carry that you have no clue what happened to them. And I think for me, in addition to just writing it and sharing it, being therapeutic, it was, it was that feeling of not being alone because I, I spent, you know, the whole time I was in you know, I, I used to call it a tailspin, but the whole time I was, you know, all these self-protective behaviors, it did feel alone. And I was scared. I didn't want to let anyone in, um, nobody close to me, nobody that I actually loved. And so I think it's been healing that way. It's been healing because I have friends and family members that 
follow me that I hadn't expressed to yet, you know, um, what had happened. And my mom actually tells me all the time. She's like, I've learned so much from you, you know, from you sharing and the things that you say and the, the psychoeducation piece that I didn't know before. And she's like, I've actually started to explore my own trauma. Like she's a huge people pleaser. And she's like, I've always wondered why I have that like fawn response. And through listening to you, I think I've identified like why that is. And anyway, it's just been, you know, helping others has been healing to me, but also just being able to get it out there and feeling like, cause for so long, I felt like I had to hide that part of me. And so allowing that part to step out into the light, um, has been, has been a really neat thing. Wow. That's cool. That you were able to help your mom or like your mom was able to yeah. that and kind of learn from that. Yeah. That's cool. Wow. All right. Um, well, thank you for all of that person. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sure I'm just speaking on behalf of Meg, reach out, just talk to somebody. I mean, talk to Meg, yeah. talk to anybody, t- talk to somebody that you truly trust. It's important that we create that community with people. Um, and truly this is like the true Testament of like, you have no idea what the fuck's going on with somebody or like what they've been through, like what is currently happening, you know? Um, so my my last question to you is if you could give advice to anybody who's listening motivated. Cool. I know. So much. <laughs> I know. Um I would say, you know, the whole healing isn't linear statement, I feel like is a cliche because we use it all the time, but it's so true. It's like 10 steps forward, you know, three steps back. Um, but there are no time restraints on healing and I think it's often not until we look back in hindsight that we realize that we have made progress. Um, but you, you never start back at square one. And I try and remind people of that too. Like, even if you feel like I made all this, you know, I thought I made all this progress and now I'm, you're never back at where you were because you've done work in the meantime. So you can't possibly go back that far. Um, I would tell people that the behaviors that we beat ourselves up for that we call self-destructive or self self-sabotaging they're really just self-protective and they've served a really important purpose and that's that you're here still um and then you know i guess i'd give them i always we always give three reminders to our clients before we move into core wounds work because it can be really tough work um one is thank yourself for being who you needed to be to survive um Two would be appreciate, you know, the time that you needed to be who you became. Sometimes healing wasn't, you know, wouldn't have been right a few years ago. Maybe you weren't ready. Maybe you didn't have the environment or the support system around you that you needed. You know, you said earlier, um, you used an analogy. We use a similar one. We always say you can't heal in an environment that's keeping you sick. Um, So it's just, you know, appreciate the time that you needed in order to, to do that work. And then just forgive yourself for not having been who you truly are, because we do a lot of things when we are in survival mode that don't align with who we are authentically. And that is not something that we were meant to carry the shame of for the rest of our lives. It was something that was meant to serve a purpose and, you know, you're wired for safety and connection and you deserve all of those things. So that's what I would say in the few minutes that I have. <laughs> I love it. I love that was, I feel like that was very, that was good advice. That wasn't just like a, Hey, go to therapy and take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah. To anyone who's listening to this, um, this episode was really to kind of showcase a lot. Showcase a lot. I can't talk. Showcase kind of like a deeper side to why the fuck you mentality started. Um, kind of what, what Meg is, what she's been saying this entire time is, you know, you go through your whole life kind of just, just strangled with opinions and thoughts of other people. And, you know, you're judged because of your actions and blah, blah, blah. And then one day it really does just, it just clicks and you stop giving a fuck, you know, you just, you wake up and you're like, you know, this is what I'm going to do for myself today. I'm going to forgive myself today. I'm going to love myself today. I'm going to do things that channel 
me that for Lisa, things that really empower me, things that make me feel good. And I'm going to try and be better than I was yesterday. And that requires a lot of not caring and requires a lot of forgiving yourself because you, you know what some people I'm one of the biggest things that I I struggled with, with just dietary habits, right? Mm -hmm. Um, eating food. I have always been a really clean eater and I've always just been really weird about food. And then my friends would always make fun of me. So then I stopped doing it and I got, you know, partying, whatever, you know, kind of got into that whole world. And then living here, it kind of reminded myself like, Lisa, you do like eating healthy. You love these things. Fuck them. Who cares? You know, you can eat these things. It doesn't matter if they're going to make fun of you. Who cares? Cause that's just a reflection of themselves. They're dealing with their own bullshit. Eat the foods that you like. Yep. You like your, body, your life, <laughs> Who you, want? you know, yeah. and that that's a whole response in and of itself. But uh, it's just a reminder that a, you really have no idea what anyone else is going through and B just be a little bit compassionate to people. Cause you truly, again, you don't know what anyone else is going through, but the synopsis of this entire podcast, like the brand itself is at the end of the day, fuck <laughs> you. I'm doing me. Yeah. It's called the fuck you mentality for a reason. And I know it sounds vulgar and it's brash and it's harsh, but that is a reality of healing. That's yeah. a reality of mental, mental health, mental illness, mental, anything. Fuck you, man. I, I gotta, I gotta do what's best for my brain and my, my well-being, my body, everything. Um, and that translates, you know, with your career, with your personal life, with your social media world, with anything, your day-to-day action always remember that you always have yourself and that you got to do what's best for you. Put your best foot forward. No one else's feet is going to be up there with you. No one else is walking next to you. It's just you. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone, thank you so (laughs) much for listening to this episode. This is a very, very special episode. I was really excited to finally get someone on here who can talk about mental health, who is obviously trained in it. She is well-versed in it. She has her own journey that she's going on. Um, I'm going to put all of her bios, her handles and everything in the description below. Please check her out, check out all the things that she has to offer. Um, it's extremely relatable because ever since I started following you, I, I look at stuff. I'm like, Oh shit, that is kind of like me. Okay. <laughs> um, and I love the way that I met her too, just because she was through my yeah. best friend who was in her program. Um, so I, you know, I'm not just an outsider that just was like, Oh, this looks, this is cool. It's, I actually was able to get a little bit of a sneak peek of what she does and what she does is extremely powerful and extremely enlightening. Um, so if you guys need help again, reach out, reach out to anybody, somebody that you feel safe with. Um, this is, this is Meg, the trauma informed (laughs) coach. And I, again, thank you so much for being on here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Well, everyone have a great rest of your day. I hope you guys feel good and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Oh, how do I stop this? Why am I drawing a blank? Oh, (laughs) 